0: Welcome! I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes, this podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 2 Corinthians. Today is episode 510. We're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 through 13. Let's read our passage. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Become mature. Be encouraged. Be of the same mind. Be at peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss all the saints send you greetings. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is 2 Corinthians, letter Paul sending to the church in Corinth. Titus is taking the letter down there. Titus had taken the tearful letter down earlier after Paul's disastrous visit that he made from Ephesus and between Titus's ministry and the Tearful Letter seem to resolve some of the problems, but there's still a lot that remains to be done. And Paul's sending Second Corinthians trying to get the remaining issues dealt with before he goes down there. They have false teachers who are leading them astray. They've still got immorality that they haven't dealt with. They still are some are very critical of Paul. And he does intend to make a third visit. And so this is his attempt to try and set things straight. Between this letter and Titus taking the letter, maybe this can get some things ready so he can have a fruitful visit when he actually comes down there. This is the conclusion of the letter. Verses 11 through 13 of chapter 13 finishes off 2 Corinthians. He begins in verse 11. He says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Well, many of your Bibles say Goodbye, and others say rejoice, and it seems to be just. A, I did a quick look at uh, ten or twelve, and they seem to be about evenly divided. And the trouble is, this verb here, Cairo, could mean either way. It can mean rejoice, or it can be used as a, a sign of greeting or salutation, and it's hard to say which it actually is. Well, this translation, CSB, here uses rejoice. And it's the first of several imperatives here. Rejoice, become mature, be encouraged, be of the same mind, be at peace. So these are just little quick admonitions here at the end. And Paul often closes his letter this way as he wraps it up, basically saying, finally, do these things. And love and kisses Paul. So these are all things you could say of any church. Rejoice. Rejoice because of your relationship with Christ. Become mature. Some say be complete or be restored, be mended, be restored to one another. Uh, It's hard to say exactly what, if there's anything beyond this, other than something you would just say to anyone. But be completed, restored. So he's talking about joy and restoration. He says be encouraged. Some say be comforted. Now, Paul's been challenging them, but overall, he says he's trying to build them up. He is trying to encourage them. Yeah, he's challenging them for their bad behavior and the things they need to fix, but he really wants to encourage them to do the right thing. He also wants them to encourage one another, because there's some rifts in the community that need to be healed, which goes along with this next imperative, be of the same mind. It is be united. You don't have to all be the same. But you have to be united you have to agree on the big things what are the big things what if my list of big things is the same as your list of big things well that's something to to work together toward but if we come together in a unified way of trying to even define those we'll, we'll get there eventually but the big things are the, the nature of salvation the authority of the word of god the, the nature of god Those are the big things. Be united on those aspects. And part of the problem now is many of them are being led astray by these false apostles presenting a false Jesus, false gospel, false spirit. Be united. And the Word of God's got to be the big uniting factor. The Word of God's what tells us about God. It says, be at peace. I think he probably means here, be at peace with one another, because they've, they've got some problems. They've got some problems with their unity. Be restored encouraged of the same mind at peace. I think a lot of that is amongst yourselves. Then he says, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Now, this is pretty much just a standard closing statement, but to them, it, it, it should have meaning. And all these, these five things, rejoice, become mature, be encouraged, be say I be at peace. If you do those things, the God of love and peace will be with you. However, if the God of love and peace is not with you, you're actually not going to be able to do those things. And so it is those are related to each other. It's basically live as Christians with a Christian community. And if you're doing that, you're going to see God at work in your lives. But you're actually not going to be able to do that unless God is at work in your lives. And the more we open ourselves to God, the more we see God working in our lives, and the more then we see God at work in our lives. So there is a lot of feedback there where God wants us to see him at work. That is closing statements here. Greet one another with a holy kiss. This is a fairly common statement that's used. Uh, he ends First Thessalonians, 1 Corinthians, and Romans. And Peter even uses a similar statement in First Peter. There's a lot of debate about what is the holy kiss. There's no indication anything like that existed in the synagogue, so it seems to be a Christian thing. Well, a kiss was a f- common form of greeting close people. Remember, Judas identified Jesus by kissing him. When Paul was leaving the Ephesian elders in the book of Acts, they, they all kissed him. So you do see kissing as far as amongst family members and people who are close to one another. And it's not a wet, spoochy kiss on the lips kind of thing. It's just a peck on the cheek, like extended family would do. And that's the issue here, is view yourselves as extended family, the family of God. And that's why he, I think he calls it the holy kiss. It's a symbol of the fellowship, the family of God. He says all the saints send you greetings. Now remember what's a saint? Saint's a believer. The word saint is just a using a adjective as a noun. So when he says the saints, he says the holies or the holy ones. And holy is an adjective. The holy ones turns it into a noun. And who are the holy ones? Believers, those who have a relationship with God. Anyone who is a Christian is a saint. Now, he began the letter back in 2 Corinthians 1.1, addressing the letter to all the saints throughout Achaia. Now, he's closing it with all the saints here in Macedonia, send you greetings. So, this is a letter basically from Paul and all the saints in Macedonia to the church of Corinth and all the saints throughout Achaia. Verse 13, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Now, it's just a standard closing, but notice you see the Trinity here. Jesus Christ, God, and the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, now, should you make anything of grace as associated with Jesus Christ, love with God, fellowship with the Holy Spirit? You, you could make something of it, but you could actually interchange it around and make a case for the others too. But grace, love, and fellowship. Now, the Holy Spirit is the one who brings the fellowship to us. You cannot experience true Christian fellowship with one another without the Holy Spirit being a part of that. This finishes. 2 Corinthians. Now, remember the purpose of 2 Corinthians. Paul's trying to get things ready for his third visit. And so he ended here with a lot of talk about the third visit. And I'm coming down there, get these things set up. Coming down there, get these things taken care of. Coming down there, take care of the problems so I don't have to come down and take care of the problems. Did they? Well, in the book of Acts, it briefly, very briefly mentions that. After Paul left Macedonia, he went down to Achaia and spent three months there. And basically, it's one verse in the book of Acts. The fact that it's not really elaborated on may mean there wasn't a lot of drama. And he spent three months there in Corinth and wrote the book of Romans. And we know he mentions in the book of Romans that the churches of Achaia, that is Corinth, participated in the collection for the poor people in the church in Jerusalem. So we know they participated in the collection. And the fact that Paul writes Romans from Corinth mentions Corinth, but he doesn't mention any drama. So it may be that Second Corinthians, along with the ministry of Titus, really did fix things up to where paul did have a fruitful time with them his three months there because there's no mention of any drama either in the book of acts or in his letter to the roman church so i would like to think that okay paul was successful in his endeavors with this letter it achieved what he really intended for it to achieve that the church did get it to a healthier place and was ready for paul's visit there what was the bottom line that they needed to do? Submit themselves to the Lord, submit themselves to the Word of God, submit themselves to one another, submit themselves to the authority of Paul as an apostle, and evaluate what they're doing in light of the Word of God. So this finishes our look at 2 Corinthians. Now remember, we're looking at Paul's letters in chronological order. So we are basically just starting Acts chapter 20 in the chronology of things. And he's going to leave Macedonia, where he has just written 2 Corinthians. And he will travel down to Achaia, to Corinth, spend three months there. And while he's there, he will write Romans. That'll be the next book that we take up. Paul's letter to the church at Rome, written during his third missionary journey while he is in Corinth. Thanks for joining me. Joy begin next time as we start looking at the book of Romans.